Welcome to Buddies and the Body. In this episode, we will be discussing the female nude. Hello, Harriet. Hello. Yeah, I think the female nude's a, a pretty delved into subject anyway, but I think it's something that you can't really ignore when we're talking about women's bodies is their constant depiction of them naked. It's that idea of it being tasteful, which mm. is, can be so problematic as well. And I think also for us, we especially like looking into the idea of the ideal nude and the ideal body and how that translates into today. Because I definitely think that bodies have changed over the years, the ideal body. I would love to have the Renaissance body as the ideal body. <laughs> that's my favourite of the ones in time. However, that is not <laughs> that is not where we're at today. I think it's more the Kim K body. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a really interesting topic because when you look throughout history, there is a, an archetype of the female body that everyone is expected to prescribe to in order to be considered beautiful. Mm. And I think it's really fascinating to look at this because you can see how it changes over time and also how it's very interconnected with society at that time and class as well. I think it goes all the way back to, I suppose, ancient Greece, really, when you look at female statues of Aphrodite and Venus. So obviously she was the goddess of love, she was considered to be the most beautiful woman in the world, well divine woman I suppose, and I think depictions of Venus in particular can really tell us what was considered beautiful at that time and the beautiful body in particular because Venus was almost always nude in paintings. And this goes all the way up to to modern times, really. Like that image of the goddess of love and beauty can really tell us so much, I think, about the perfect body. Or what's considered to be the perfect body. When we're thinking about artwork, one thing we have to consider is the context of the time and who this artwork was for. And I think when you have paintings of Venus, so some that spring to mind are the Venus of Urbino by Titian, um, Mm. for example, you know, a beautiful woman reclining nude, or Venus by Velasquez, who was a Spanish Baroque painter, and it shows her bottom and she has her back to you, and it's, it's actually a, a portrait of his mistress. When you think about these paintings, you have to think about the audience, and the audience was male. So the best way of understanding the male gaze and the masculine expectation for female bodies during that period of history is to look at the paintings, because that, can, that can tell you what expectations were at the time. And I think in John Berger's Ways of Seeing, I believe he talks about this and how artists were thinking about the viewer. You know, they were like, what would the viewer want to see? And this is why I think he uses Bronzino's 
Venus and Cupid that are like allegory of love as an example because she's like really twisted in a way that's really unnatural because mm. he want, he wanted the viewer to see her whole body and it was a way of them getting pleasure and that's what it boils down to artwork it was, was for, for pleasure absolutely and it was for a bunch of white predominantly heterosexual men to stand and stare at women's bodies and be allowed to do so without looking perverted in case no one knows the theory of the male gaze is by Laura Mulvey and is looking at the fact that when we look at a lot of painting and basically the way that we navigate the world is through white cis male eyes. So it's the idea that we perform in a society that is through the male eyes. So the attractiveness of women is always deemed by what white straight men find attractive. And that's where the bar is set. So when we perform in film and when we look at art, we look at it from the male gaze and we're all conditioned to see everything through the male gaze. It's how we navigate the world. And in a way, women take on the male gaze when looking at the world. If you think about the way that we look at the attractiveness of our friends and of the people around us, we look at it through what men find attractive because we've been told that throughout our whole lives is this is what is attractive to men and therefore we indoctrinate it on ourselves. But I think these pictures really do depict the formation of the male gaze and how we started to dissect women's bodies according to men and use women's bodies for male pleasure. I mean, women's bodies have always been used for male pleasure, but more so through art is this idea that there are these massive galleries just filled with white men staring at women's bodies. I'm not going to lie, I love a nude. I love a female nude as a painting. I think the female body is absolutely incredible. And I love celebrating it. But I love a female nude seen through the female gaze. And I think that's always really interesting is watching women appreciate female bodies. Mm. Because the way women see see their bodies is completely different than the way men see our bodies. And to see that flipped around is so interesting. But I think these massive galleries filled with these nudes that we're talking about were definitely like the start of basically like an Instagram, I guess, Mm. of tasteful nudes. Yeah, and of course, we have to remember as well that female bodies were portrayed through the lens of classical art. So it was very much a way of making it respectable in the eyes of academic houses and the art market generally. So that's why Venus was such an important model, I suppose, because people like Velasquez could paint their mistresses. But you know, they could pretend it was a Greek goddess and then that made it high art because, of course, in the Renaissance era, the classical world was considered to be the pinnacle of success and what they were trying to emulate. So I find that interesting as well, the the idea that it's all secretive as well, like they're not really admitting to looking at women's bodies in that way. It's all sort of hidden. Absolutely. I really quickly got some images up on my screen to have a look at and what I will say and what I love with renaissance bodies is just they're very real from like wrinkles in the cheeks to some little rolls and I mean in a way it's frustrating because they all have these little perfect little tummies and they're all very perfect and and problematic in a certain way but also I think compared to scrolling through Instagram Mm. they're so imperfect it's really lovely to see 
a woman's body who wrinkles and folds and has some jiggle because I think especially now that fitness body which is beautiful is is so in at the moment that if you don't see those kind of bodies in motion looking really real you see them posed you know you're flexing a little bit and even if people are doing that body positive I'm going to roll over to show Mm. my my roles it kind of just always looks so staged and I think there's something about yeah their bodies just being which I guess is because in classical art you didn't have an Instagram filter so it's interesting though (laughs) did you think that in the renaissance era and the baroque so think like uh, Peter Paul Rubens who was famous for painting women who were very curvaceous Mm. like if you think about that that was probably an unrealistic body standard at that time because perhaps people did not have access to as much food or you know they were working more physical jobs and maybe if we were alive then you know we would be saying why aren't we seeing other kinds of bodies you know it's a a similar kind of you know body standard where this is the thing I find interesting about art you see like the same body all the time so even though like from our modern point of view we're like wow look how like curvaceous they all are it's still probably quite unrealistic and this is the thing like in art you don't see diversity in body shapes with women until like fairly recently I think and there was probably even the male body in the renaissance times you don't really see like larger men either it's all Mm -hmm. muscles and stuff I think if you read any Jane Austen they go on about girls being too skinny and they need to be plumper and I always found that really weird because obviously like we come from a generation of a supermodel era the thinner you are the better we come from thigh gap era which was a big thing when I was a kid but I think that it was so weird to read a book that literally was like oh she's not plump enough she hasn't got a full enough face and you think it's completely different but you are right I think because food was so scarce then and being wealthy and being a little bit plump went hand in hand you're probably right they were completely unrealistic bodies women didn't have access to the same things that we have access now so their bodies change according to that and they were beautiful in that time like yeah women who aren't considered beautiful are invisible you know Mm. and that's what I noticed the most when I look at paintings in the past you would not see a nude of a woman who was not conventionally beautiful. And even today, when you look at contemporary paintings of nude women, there's a a slight aversion people feel when they don't see what the standard of beauty in nude figures, because it's so rare to see, but we're so like used to seeing a certain kind of nude that it's almost nothing. If you look at a Bernini sculpture of a naked nymph, you don't even like register that she's naked. It's just its own thing, isn't it? It's just like a classical female form. Like you don't see it as naked because it's not reality. But who was that artist who paints women who are like Jenny? Is it Jenny Savile? Oh, I absolutely love her. So this is Jenny Savile she did some self-portraits of her body and they're really like distorted 
And they really challenged the male gaze in so many ways. I think predominantly because the bodies very much look like kind of meat. They look like they're at the butchers. It's that idea of a meat market. Women's bodies are just up for consumption. And the paint strokes in them are, are aggressive. I think for when you depict women, everyone uses that very sh- soft brush stroke. Mm. I call it the Star Trek effect, which is mm-hmm. where whenever, I don't know if anyone watches original Star Trek, but whenever a woman comes into Star Trek, the soft focus goes over her mm. head. Everything's very blurred behind her. It's soft, it's loving, it's caring. And I think art has that Star Trek soft focus effect of women so much where they put this blurry, lovey-dovey, romantic film on it. And I think Jenny, Jenny Savile just tears the film off. These really amazing brushstrokes, which are really exciting and, and have a lot of movement in them and a lot of activity. They're not just still. And obviously this really distorted body. She's challenging the idea of what a naked female body looks like mm-hmm. and also what that painting should evoke from you. It's taking the sexual away and that male gaze away from it where you start to look at the body in a way as a rhetoric to the way we consume women's bodies. Mm. What I would add as well is when you were talking about saying that women, we don't see them as naked. I think it's also because the female nude is so everyday. I think this is a subject we discussed before where the male nude is not as seen as frequently as the female nude the amount that we see female nudes and we see it so every day that when we see that soft focus female nude we don't even bat an eyelid it doesn't even shock us because we're so used to seeing women's bodies blasted everywhere to the point where we don't even see a face to them anymore and I think you were saying that there's and I agree with it there is more of a shock around male genitalia and male nudity and when you see a naked man you're like oh my god but if you see like a woman's boob or a woman's bum you're not that shocked and I think this is what Jenny Savile really confronted obviously in the 90s she's from the YBA movement but she really confronts that idea of it's not the everyday nude it's not that soft focus Star Trek effect it is this hard-hitting challenging Mm -hmm. people looking at women's bodies and saying oh you want to look at my body well here's my body and it really challenges people and asks them why they're looking at it and it makes me feel defensive of my body and want me to take re-ownership of my body as you can see I have a love I have a love affair with Jenny Savile and I just think her work's amazing Mm -hmm. freaky stalker alert but uh (laughs) when you see women depicting their own bodies and Mm. depicting other women's bodies I think you start a really interesting dialogue of looking at the female form Mm. for self-love rather than Mm. consumption and I think when we stop consuming women's bodies I think is when the dialogue around policing them will definitely change but we have to stop consuming them first that's so true they're really objectified aren't they to the point Mm. where they have their own identities as people they just become a body yeah I love Jenny Savile as well when I was looking at her work what struck me was what you were saying about her brush strokes but also the way she paints flesh and skin because our bodies are patchy and discoloured in places and our bodies are not one colour all over. That's one thing that always struck me about paintings in general of nude women, how like 
that they almost look like porcelain dolls. Like nobody's yes, skin so. is that is that like Clear one tone and... all over? Like you can see the veins, like to the point where they even don't have veins and they don't seem you know, like real people. Um, yeah, I think it's that realness, isn't it? It's it's looking at the husk of the body rather mm. than the image. And I also love the fact that Venus is this really badass, powerful goddess. Like, she's the goddess of love. She's super amazing. And she's vacant in these paintings and mm. personality-less. And the reality is, is if you were Venus and you were this, like, badass, amazing goddess, you'd be like, yeah, check out my bush, check out my body. Mm. I could like smite all of you and it's this idea that it's the shyness and this pa- yeah. and, like, it, as you said it's making them into dolls yeah a really great example of this passive Venus is by an artist called Cabanel and it was painted in 1863 and she's depicted like a sex object basically she's like sprawled out on a wave like perfect hair like her hair is ridiculous it's these silky ringlets falling all over the place and her body is incredibly up to be looked at you know and she's looking away in a very shy manner oh my god and you have this habit of pointing me in pictures that I end up loving like when I (laughs) featured on your museum of femininity podcast If you haven't listened to it, Charlotte very nicely invited me to speak about motherhood. And she pointed me to this picture, which you then bought me a postcard of, which is pride (laughs) of place in my room, actually. I absolutely love it. Of this, like the breast milk is being squirted out of her boob. like The birth of the Milky Way. That's it, the birth of the Milky Way. And I absolutely love it. And I have to say that this image that you're showing me of this Venus on the waves with her ridiculous hair and the cherubs above her, it's my second favourite picture you have, well, painting, you have introduced me to. It's insane. And it perfectly captures what we were talking about. Because Completely. So I, th- this is a slight reference to the last Museum of Femininity podcast I did. But this painting came out at the same time as Olympia by Edouard Manet. And Olympia oh, okay. was rejected by the Academy. But this painting was accepted and highly praised even though it's obviously an image that is fairly artificial I would say in its depiction of a woman but Olympia by Manet was for one thing the model was a real person and she's looking directly at the camera and she's in a very confrontational way so that reality of a nude figure disturbed the critics and the academy So rather than like going for that, they went for the more classical depiction of a woman's body, even though she's very passive in it compared to the directness of Olympia. And Mm. I would say Venus is often like that, as Harriet said. And it's interesting to me that she's so commonly portrayed, but you don't see Athena, the goddess of war, as much because she wasn't the idealised beauty, and I think that's mm. why artists in history have gravitated more towards Venus, because you can depict her in that way. I also think it's really interesting that somehow, when looking at a nude, it's more accepted to peep in and them not know that you're looking at them. I feel like that you can't deny the weird sexual gratification there must be in this, where you're literally unconsensually looking in on a woman's body who is not supposed to know you're there and it seems to be playing out some very weird fantasy 
And I think what I love about Olympia is her faith, staring down the viewer. When men are challenged, it automatically is never as accepted. Mm, mm. It's the fantasy of the lack of consent that I have a problem with. I obviously, the women who, as far as I'm aware, the women who posed in these paintings, it was consensual, but it's that fantasy of consent that's re-perpetuated yeah. through the artistic nude, which is problematic because it then perpetuates a bigger issue of, yeah. it's sexy not to consent. This has certainly been a common theme in more modern, by modern I mean like, you see this is the extent of my like contemporary art knowledge, by modern I actually mean from 1850 to 1910, voyeuristic paintings of nude women were really common in the avant-garde. Obviously nude women have been depicted many times throughout history, but more as we've been saying under the guise of classical subjects, the Impressionists and Post-Impressionists. So Edgar Degas, for instance, painted women bathing with their backs mm-hmm. turned. And also Toulouse Lautrec, he painted a lot of women getting dressed. And these were women who were like dancers, maybe prostitutes in some cases. And he was very like well-known Lautrec in, in the sort of avant-garde circles, bohemian circles in um, Montmartre in Paris. And I wonder what you think about images like this that are actually voyeuristic, that are not shy to admit that they are actively trying to make you feel like you are peeking in on a naked woman, rather than like the more secretive. Yeah, I mean, I I commend any man who can admit his issues with consent because it's the starting point what I find interesting is this isn't like a new issue it's just an issue that women are now able to voice against I think with Degas like it's still playing out that male fantasy of no matter how direct it is and how aware the artist is of it it's still a a fantasy of non-consent I think what makes me sad is in art even today when we depict women we peep on them if you think about the opening scene of Pretty Woman, where mm. she's getting dressed and we're peeping in this really voyeuristic way. And it's the same in Degas, like their bodies are for consumption. It's okay that we consume them. It's okay that we peep on them in the same ways with Julia Roberts. Even if it's directly addressing the viewer, it still makes it acceptable in everyday form. Yeah, but- I think what you're definitely getting at is this idea of the uninvited male gaze. And that's probably like quite different to empowering depictions of the female nude, where the women are clearly consenting to be looked at. They're not supposed to. And they know that they're being looked at. Exactly. And they're showing their bodies in the way that they want to be perceived, not as a man is looking upon them. I think that's reclaiming our gaze. One example of a female nude I really like is the photographer Robert Maplethorpe. He was working these in like the seventies. Smith. So yes, I really like the Patty Smith one because in that she, it's a very tender. I don't want to use the word vulnerable really, but she just it just feels very real. The ones I'm thinking of are of the bodybuilder Lisa Lyons. She was a female bodybuilder in the um, mid-20th century 
and I think she was a martial artist as well. But there's some like incredible photographs of her looking so powerful and there's just so beautifully photographed. And there's another one where she's like standing on a hill. It reminds me of a typical photograph of like Mr. Olympia or something. Like she's sort of really like a powerful pose and it's a different kind of body being portrayed. I think they're really interesting. I mean, I'm a sucker for a black and white nude. I think there's something so beautiful about photographic nudes. I love her power. The, the start, it's like, totally very not sexual. Poses. It's not sexual Yeah, it's, but she's beautiful. Like, oh my God, yeah, no, totally. Being beautiful and like powerful but not being sexualized, And I don't know if that has something to do with the fact that Robert Maplethorpe was a, a gay man. Maybe like the intention of the artist and the artist's own perceptions can affect the way they portray the female nude because the images we've spoken about in a positive way, like Jenny Savile, you know, Jenny Savile is a woman and she would have a very different interpretation compared to Edgar Degas or Cabanel, you know, who are playing into like the patriarchal concept of what a woman should look like. So I think perhaps yeah. the artist's motivation has a lot to do with it as well. Completely. Yeah, and I mean, the only thing I would say is these were taken in the 1980s, which is kind of the birth of aerobics, jazzercise, working out. The muscular body was the ideal and dream body and what I would say is that she depicts the ideal body along with the depiction of Patti Smith as well are very much like the ideal bodies I think they're amazing and I think the idea of consent in them is so beautiful the one of Lisa Lyon on the hill is how I would imagine Venus would stand personally mm, yeah, I think she's like yeah. her very own depiction of Venus you know but I think also it's still conforming to the idea of mm. male beauty during that time. I think it's really important to note that alongside all this strength and beauty and raw female power in them, which is so amazing, is also the fact that this is a very privileged body because it is the ideal body. Yeah, I do actually completely agree. It's still unrealistic in the sense that it is a beautifully photographed model-esque image. But I think it's that thing as well where it's a harsh cycle of photographers photograph famous people because we view everything through the male gaze. Famous people generally conform to ideal standards of beauty and are forced to the more famous they get. So then the photographer comes along and wants to photograph famous people because it boosts both their portfolio and those famous people conforming to the male gaze. But I guess the real question is what came yeah. first, the idealised standard of beauty or the photographer? And it's, it's where do you put yeah. ode to the artist and where do you put ode to society, I guess? And, but this and, is like what we were saying, isn't it? About how like every, every time period has its own idealised body. And maybe this is just exactly. an example of that. And in the 90s, it was very skinny. And today we are looking more at the um, very, yeah, like, that, an insane hourglass figure that's completely... Yeah, where you've got like a teeny weeny waist and a really cracking ass. And, and people wear those weird swimming costumes where it cuts up around there. Oh, you mean the... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're from... 
I think they just remind me of Baywatch, which I could never get away with. I would never delve into that kind of shaving to get into them either. (laughs) I definitely think that the period of time we're in is another unrealistic body shape. And I think, if anything, looking at all these nudes and the development of them through time just shows how women's bodies changes so dramatically over the space of a couple of years. It's really weird how, like, history repeats itself. Because if you look at the 1910s, the Gibson girl silhouette was really popular. So, like, corseted with a very sort of hourglass figure. And then in the 20s, you have the flapper. And it was all about being, like, young and sort of sprightly. And then if you look at the 50s, it was the new look. So the Dior new look with the, like, tapered waist and the large skirt. Very, like, traditionally feminine. And then the 60s, you have like Twiggy. And again, it was about being youthful and young. And I think you find this all the time in fashion and sort of women's bodies and what's in, what's popular. And this is just another example of how, you know, the trend has changed. And it probably correlates with who's famous right now. Like, it's all about fame and celebrity. Completely. And I think also it's about fashion. It's about mm. what's seen on the Fashion channels. is such an interesting one, isn't it? Because it makes it makes it has a huge influence on the idea of women's bodies and how we see them. And and also I think what we accept, I think a lot of fashion houses, when they put women who don't conform to idealised bodies on the catwalk or in their campaigns there is a small amount of acceptance for them and Mm. it slowly grows and I think it's really strange when you look at it when people will hate a model and call her body disgusting and then she'll be put in a fashion campaign and suddenly everyone's like oh my gosh she's so brave she's so beautiful I find that twist from disgust to love so quickly simply by the fact that Mm. when a massive brand consumes her everybody else then consumes her whereas before her body wasn't desired at all so I think Mm. it's really interesting as well like the effect that media plays on us that if we see the image accepted by others we naturally start to accept them we naturally Mm. start to find them beautiful yeah if your preference for a certain body type is not what's considered normal as far as beauty then you're considered to be like slightly freaky or kinky or something you know like the phrase chubby chaser is a very like problematic thing very problematic but I think the fetishization of plus size (laughs) women sexually is so problematic especially because they are fetishized a lot into quite grotesque sexual fantasies there's an idea that if you're a plus size woman you should just accept whatever you're given because you're so lucky that people are interested in you and that almost you should make up for it by taking part in these fetishes that men Mm. have for you well do you know what this makes me think of the alexander mcqueen fashion show which took place in like a fake mental asylum i think this is the same one and in the finale this glass box falls down and it reveals a a naked overweight woman reclining she's wearing like some sort of gas mask and there's like moths or butterflies around her and i think it's a reference to a francis bacon painting i believe Um, so i watched the documentary um yes that's what uh, i'm recalling it off the top of my head might be a bit hard but I do remember that and I do remember at the time feeling really annoyed at it it was like 
the spectacle of the undesirable mm. and it just didn't feel like it was being done for the right reasons do you, do you know what I mean I know it, what you mean yeah and I think it would be rare to have a woman of her shape walking on a catwalk and it was meant to be unsettling that was the purpose of the whole show I think I think he was very known for being incredibly theatrical and like stirring certain emotions inside you and certainly I think that's an example of how the nude plus-size body has been used in an artistic way to provoke feelings of discomfort which absolutely and it's a fairly recent example so I think the nude body is still in people's minds the artistic nude is absolutely a certain I think also a certain shape yeah completely I think all we need to think back on is the cosmopolitan cover of the plus size woman who Tess yes holiday. that's it Tess holiday I remember watching about it at the time I know it's not a nude and she was in a bathing suit but it's the same principle that it was a beautiful cover of a beautiful woman and it was just the way that people were so appalled by it and so sickened and they were behaving as if their children by looking at the cover that other women would just pop into obesity and just be like oh oh no I'm plus size and it was just this weird yeah obsession with policing her body I think it's because fashion magazines media in general is supposed to be aspirational so when you're trying to like reflect a bit of diversity people think you're encouraging people to live a similar lifestyle and are Mm -hmm. like encouraging people to be overweight I don't think that's what's happening I think there are people of all shapes and sizes and they're just being represented it's not being like this is the new standard of beauty it's just like a different type of body I feel like in a way it's like a modern direct confrontation of the male gaze and it challenges it and it displaces it I feel like the outcry of it is so much more because it's displacing this gaze that has made so much money Mm-hmm. and is completely dependent on the patriarchal society we live in. There's an industry completely built on weight loss, predominantly owned by men. And it's built on forcing women to lose weight and forcing women to buy into these ideologies. And the moment you start telling women that they don't need to buy into this, that they can mm-hmm. decide for themselves what's desirable, mm-hmm. is the moment you lose millions and millions of pounds. And I think this is what it all connects to, is the fact that there's such a massive industry in telling women what beauty looks like. Oh, completely. And actually, a lot of a lot of industries that you would associate with male pleasure, so like Playboy, for instance, have made money yeah. through marketing products towards women. So Absolutely. like there was definitely a phase where a lot of women were getting like Playboy bunny tattoos or wearing like branded jewellery. It and was that's so just, big at my secondary yeah, school. Yeah, and that so just shows weird. I remember like, that. everyone had looking, Playboy cases. Yeah, b- bizarre. And that just shows that marketing is such a terrifying thing because obviously through subtle marketing like that, women are seeing images and they're thinking these women are becoming like role models but they're also like, oh, if I'm like her, I'll be desirable to men. And I yeah. think it's all built on the idea that our bodies are not our own. And I think that's what I find so frustrating mm. with a lot of nudes 
is that it perpetuates the idea that we have no ownership over our bodies. I think that's why we have such an open dialogue on women is because from a very early time, we've been policing women's bodies. And I think the female nude from an early age was the beginning of that and is almost snowballed into the monster, which is social media and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's just snowballed into such a dark direction in terms of discussing women's bodies. I think the more we question why we're looking at it that way or why we see that woman a certain Mm. way, it's never going to move forward. It's never going to change. Yeah. I really think it has so much to do with power dynamics as well. Because historically, the world was much more patriarchal and was controlled much more by men. So the people who were commissioning artworks were men and they were interested in seeing women of a certain type and then later on you see the rise of the artist as being you know people would buy something because an art a certain artist had painted it so Mm. then you see the artist projecting their own views of what a woman should be like onto their artwork so like Rubens is an example we've used often because he liked a woman of a certain body type but then you have people like much later on like the artist Modigliani who used Mm. to paint nude women with faces that were almost like masks like no character no personality it was all about their body Mm. so you have that the sort of commissioners the leaders of the lands the aristocrats the, the wealthy men controlling the view of women and then you have the artists controlling the view of women but gradually like women's voices are becoming heard more and I think we will start to see more female perspectives and that even in recent times with you know Jenny Savile and other female artists who have painted nudes like Frida Kahlo for example or um, Laura Knight the artist who famously painted herself painting a female nude which was Mm -hmm. really controversial so I think it's changing because the art world is becoming more diverse and there are an infinite greater number of women working within the art industry so I think as, as far as the artistic depiction of the female nude I think that is changing, but that is a very separate world, you know, that's a very privileged world. And I think what we now need to concentrate on is social media and journalism, marketing, advertising, the way products are being sold to us. Um, Unfortunately, we haven't really spoken about, you know, the impact of pornography as well, which is an incredibly nuanced subject, but it's become like a bigger thing and more like ingrained in society I suppose rather than just in art which I think is probably quite different now to what it was a hundred years ago. No I completely agree and I think as you were saying in the art world it is moving forward and it does feel positive but I think there's still so much censorship in society even down to the fact of certain images that get reported on instagram of Mm. women's nudes that they've taken themselves of their body and they post on instagram and they've been reported for no other reason than someone just doesn't like it because it doesn't conform with the idea of oh like free free the nipple yes exactly i think we have to understand that art has evolved from 
the art world into like the everyday and people produce their own art on a daily basis on Instagram and everyone has a camera everyone has taken a tasteful nude I'm sure and the people who are monitoring Instagram and own it are white men who are pushing the idea of consumption more than ever and so I think when these images are being blocked and when these images aren't allowed to be seen I think it still definitely comes under the guise of the female nude because I think art has evolved and it's problematic because we're not questioning why these images are being censored. Like a lot of these nudes that I've seen that have been banned literally have been banned simply because they're not white, they're not thin, they're not the ideal woman of what society is telling us is okay and it's not celebrating other women of color and other women of different shape you don't play into this white thin ideal and so because of that this image isn't allowed what i think we should address as well is that a lot of the women that we're talking about that are depicted in these nudes through history are white and though the renaissance women are maybe a bit larger than a supermodel they're still relatively thin and i think the art world still celebrates white thinness and it still celebrates a certain type of nude that conforms and though there are women that are pushing boundaries there's still an essence of privilege in the art world which means that certain bodies are being excluded and certain ideas are being excluded especially in terms of the nude and Though it's really exciting that it's changing, I think it's important that we understand that there's still such a headway to go because Mm. a plus size body isn't a size 10. I think even the art world is still very exclusionary. And though there's hope, I think it is still predominantly ruled by men who make the big decisions about what they're going to show and what they're going to buy. And I think that's the scariest part is that the female artists are amazing but we need the people making the purchasing decisions to be women we need the people viewing the art and making those big decisions and running the art newspapers we need them to be women because that's when we'll start seeing things through the female gaze i also think obviously there's nothing we can do about historic masterpieces because yeah unfortunately that was just the time they lived in and although there is some diversity in different ethnicities within these paintings the way they're framed from a contemporary point of view is quite problematic especially people of colour so I think when we address nudes in the museum context it's important that there's diverse curatorship so things can be like framed better And it's just, I don't know why, but it's just occurred to me how interesting it is that the nude is high art terminology, but people are like, I took a nude of myself, you know, like, don't share your nudes. Like the language of that word, the definition of that word has changed, which... um, Massively. I love it when it's like the tasteful nude. Like I've had so many of my friends be like, I'm trying to take a tasteful nude. Nobody says like naked picture, do they? It's... it's I know. It's... I kind of love it though. I love... There's something I love about the artistry of women taking pictures of themselves and... I love women taking pictures of their own bodies and celebrating them. I think everyone should take a tasteful nude of themselves just to celebrate their body and love it and be like, I really love my body there. And not in like a voyeuristic way for a man, but just for yourself, just to be like, yep, that's my body. And I think the tasteful nude has so much power. 
So the homework for everybody is to take a tasteful nude and celebrate your body, not for a man, but for yourself and celebrate the female gaze. I think we're going to wrap our episode up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Go to our website, budsandbods.com. All info is there. Also a transcript of this podcast, as well as some further essays about all things we're passionate about. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.